Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Well, his life has been accentuated by fame and falls, recovery and regeneration. Dan Sultan has captivated audiences since his debut album back in 2006, been an ARIA Musician of the Year and has had a string of other awards and nominations hanging from his belt. But life hasn't been without its challenges and through some of the darkest times has come hope, bound together with the love and support from those around him. His journey really has set the tone for this latest studio album, self-titled Dan Sultan. G'day, Dan. Welcome to you. Oh, thank you very much. How are you going? Very well. Your career has really come a long way since your first album, uh, Homemade Biscuits. You were 22. You were doing open mic nights in Williamstown. Is that where it kind of began for you, this journey? No. No, I've been playing guitar since I was about two years old. So it's, um, it began a long time before open mic nights. <laughs> and I was doing the open mics when I was about 16. It was actually karaoke competitions at the pubs in Williamstown, and I didn't have any money, of course, and the first prize was $500, and um, third and second prize was $250, so I, I I came in second at each of those, so I think it was about three different pubs, so, you know, 750 bucks was, um, was, was pretty great. Uh, it's pretty great now. I could use it yeah. now, actually, if I'm honest. Um, well, but, with, uh, with interest, yeah. I yeah. mean, do you think about those times as more simple times, I should, you know? I, I just want to say, the reason I came second, okay, and not first, <laughs> um, was the person who was running it, their their daughter was also competing and somehow they always managed to get first. But I, <laughs> but I I feel that I was, um, you know, I was happy for the 250 bucks. Of yeah. course, that experience led to a friendship with Scott Wilson, didn't it? Uh, yeah, we'd sort of been hanging out a little bit before then and he had these incredible songs and I learned a lot about songwriting in our time and then things run their course and I've been... Uh, learning about songwriting my whole life, really. And I think I'm very lucky to be able to say that. Your music really does cross over different genres from blues to pop, and indeed you've won awards in many of these different spaces. I know it's fraught talking about the categorisation of, of music, but how do you think about it? Uh, I, look, I just like, I like to write music that I want to listen to and at different stages in my life. That's meant different things. I mean, when I, when I made Blackbird, I wanted to make a, a rock and roll soul album. I'd been listening to the Dirt Bombs quite a bit. Scott actually introduced me to Dirt Bombs years earlier. And um, I wanted to sort of do something like that. And I've always loved country music. So there's a bit of that on, uh, well, on Blackbird, but also on Get Out While You Can. And certainly on Homemade Biscuits. Then with Killer, I wanted to think about some more electronic sounds and drums and percussion elements as well so yeah it's just been about music that I've wanted to listen to and music that I've wanted to make I enjoy making music that makes me feel good um, I certainly understand people putting things into categories and 
I understand the thinking behind it, but it's it's not something that I necessarily lean into as part of my personal creative process. Well, it's a categorization that's probably become worse with Spotify, given uh, the dominance of that sort of streaming platform. You mentioned... I don't uh, think it's necessarily a no. bad thing, you know, uh, per- personally. I mean, maybe, I, maybe I've thought less of it previous in previous times but you know you know but at, at these days I'm, I'm i think i'm at peace with with a lot of that it's just uh, i'm just making music you know well that probably comes with age as well i suppose how dare you yeah <laughs> you mentioned killer uh and we played a bit of drover uh in the intro there we heard that snippet it, it's written as a prequel to Paul Kelly and Kev Carmoody's song from Little Things, Big Things Grow, an Australian classic, no doubt. And I'm sure uh, many listeners will know uh, which charts the sort of Indigenous Gurindji people struggle for land rights. But this song had a particularly significant meaning for you, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting way to write a song, kind of historical fiction with, the, I guess, a launching pad from a song that already existed and yeah, as you mentioned, a prequel. So from a kind of technical standpoint, from songwriting, as far as narrative is concerned, I, I found that really interesting. I really enjoyed writing that song um, with Alex Burnett. But my uh, my grandfather's country is, is Gurindji and I'm Gurindji. Yeah, there's always a connection to that, to that story in that place. That album, Killer, was successful. I mean, it nominated for three ARIA awards, but I, I've read you expressing some perhaps, well, confusion or misunderstanding about the reception that it received. You've spoken about an unspoken quota for Indigenous artists. What does that mean? Yeah, what do you it, mean by it, that? it sort of felt, it, it felt at the time, I mean, it was really well, it charted really well. I was really proud of it and I still am. I think there's some really beautiful work on that record. Uh, it just didn't translate, you know, into sort of places where, previous couple of albums had which I guess kind of took me by surprise at the time as far as radio airplay and then certain festivals and certain bills that are sort of roll-on effects from those sorts of things and I mean maybe that was just on the cards I certainly think that you know non-indigenous acts and artists get a bit more of a look in on certain radio stations and a bit longer a bit a bit longer and maybe a few more records but at the same time, I mean, I was going through a pretty, you know, I was pretty down on a lot of things and it's not nice to feel like you've been ripped off or you've been treated unfairly. And um, look, that may be the case in some circumstances, certainly. Uh, but um, generally speaking, these days, I'm not really leaning into that or, or feeling that way about anything much anymore. I mean, it is what it is. I've certainly had a good run in particular scenes and I think for me to have made the record that I've made now, which is by far my, my best work and the most beautiful records I could have possibly made, yeah, being in a good place and not really relying on a particular radio station or a, a festival to be on the bill, once that all sort of seemingly went away, I, I was pretty free to write some pretty incredible music. So a song, Wait in Love, which I've just released, I think is one of the most beautiful things I'll ever write and I feel really privileged and fortunate to be able to write that way and, and then to be able to have actually written it. And I, you know, I wasn't writing for a radio station or a demographic or, or, a, or, a, or a playlist or, or anything like that. I was, felt really liberated within working on this record, which was, you know, I started writing in, for this record. I mean, you know, you're always writing. Like I said earlier, I started when I was very little. <laughs> so, mm. But this record, I mean, sitting down with my producer, Joel Quartermain, 
started riding in September of 2019 and then there were huge bushfires and then there was a global pandemic and then there were floods and, you know, Joel and I, you know, being such close friends, I mean, we had a lot of stuff going on in our personal lives like everyone else did and it was this record's been through a lot, you know. I started in 2019, September of 2019 and, I mean, I really finished writing for this record uh, in February this year, you know, so it's pretty luxurious, been through a lot and certainly hasn't been all, you know, hasn't all been easy, but as far as writing is concerned and being an artist is concerned, I mean, it's been very, very fulfilling and rewarding. And I feel very fortunate to be working with people that I do at my label and, you know, not being sycophantic when I say this, I mean, the support I've received from from those people and the freedom artistically to really just do what I like has been uh, has been really great. It's definitely a collaboration. I mean, we we have really great communication and we don't always agree, but that's that's wonderful. At the end of the day, though, I always feel that I'm able to to do what I feel I need to do. You know. Of, of course, for those that don't know, uh, Joel Quatermain's uh, formerly of Eskimo Joe. Well, he still is. They they just played the other night. So yeah. Sure, sure. I mean, w- w- you mentioned about disagreements and. I kind of find the musical differences are kind of more intriguing than the points where you agree. What do you disagree about? Me and Joel? Yeah. Uh, well, not a lot, actually. We're pretty close, but we, we do. It's funny you've brought that up because we're both pretty pretty certain in our own abilities and in our own work as writers, and Joel's a really amazing producer, and I am to an extent, but from technical standpoint and side of things, I'm, I don't really know what, I, what I'm doing, but from an arranging you know, as far as arrangements and musicality side of things, I've got really sharp instincts and and I enjoy my ideas, you know, as, as does Joel. And um, when we have disagreed, often when we sort of come to somewhere in the middle is when something can be pretty special, you know. But we didn't really disagree that much, you know. It's, uh, we're both on, on, the, on the same page in a lot of ways. You'll be playing us an acoustic version of one of your new songs you mentioned, Wait in Love. Mm. It's dedicated to Bron, your wife. Well, it's dedicated ha- to her, but it's it's about her. It's, I mean, it's her song. It's my song too. It's, it was written about a time before, about a year before we had our first child and it's their song as well, our kids' song. So it's a, it's a love song written in September of 2019 about an event in June of 2018 and it's written about from that 2018 perspective about the present day now while I'm talking to you. So it's a bit of a quantum love song, you know, if that makes, <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. I love it. I think it jumps around to, a bit, you know, I love, think we're love have is to timeless. Hear it. You know? We're really going to have to hear it to know what you mean. Uh, thank you so much <laughs> for coming in. It's great to, to have you wait in love. This is Dan Sultan here in the RN Drive studios. Thank Take you. it away, Dan. And I'm difficult to manage and 
Live at the Radio National Studios, that was Wait in Love off the new self-titled album, Dan Sultan. It's out on August 18 via Liberation Records. Dan Sultan, thank you so, so much for coming in. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. 
For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.